Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your voice is contained in the words that we have before us, that these are not just the words of man, but that these are the words of God. And your voice is so powerful, O Lord. It brought us into existence. By you speaking, we were made. And Lord, by you speaking, we can be transformed. We can be brought back to life from our deadness in sins. Lord, may you speak to us this morning. May your voice be powerful and effective in our lives as we read your word together and look at it and examine it. May we be built up and strengthened and may some of those sins that we cherish and love be crucified all the more as we listen to your word this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in our lives we are surrounded by man-made objects. We like to make things. They surround us. And I have tried making things in my life. Uh, When we think of man-made things, we think of... uh, things like buildings and woodwork and and, uh, steelwork, these kinds of things. At school, as most children have to go through woodwork classes, I did, and through steelwork classes. And my attempts at making such things weren't the best. I remember making a, in woodwork, we had to make a pencil case. And I thought, oh, I know how I'll do this. I'll get it over and done with very quickly by making a really small pencil case. And so everyone else was making these big ones and I thought, I'll be quick chop, 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 make it really small. Trouble is, because I was uh, going quickly and it was small, uh, where I had left sort of five millimetres out in my measurements, it then really put the pencil case off, whereas if it had been a bigger pencil case, it would have uh, looked, it would have been, the five millimetres wouldn't have mattered so much, it wouldn't have looked so awkward. My attempts at making things can often be pretty poor, and I think we all recognise that. The first time we do something isn't necessarily the, the best attempt that we ever make at doing that. We're surrounded by man-made things. And Isaiah, in this passage that we're looking at this morning, is interested in man-made things as well, and something that is man-made in particular, and that is man-made religions. Man-made religions. What are man-made religions? This is what we're going to look at this morning, is man-made religions. What are they? And so that's my first main point. If you've got a church bulletin there, you'll see my three main points this morning from the passage. And the first is looking at man-made religions and what they are. And Isaiah gives us some clues as to different types of man-made religions. If you've got a church pew Bible there, it's on page 677 from Isaiah chapter 2 that we'll be looking at, page 677, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 6, where Isaiah gives us, a nice little list of some man-made religions. He starts in verse 6, You have abandoned your people, the house of Jacob. They are full of superstitions from the east, from man-made religions coming from the east. Isaiah condemns them. Superstitions. Now the word superstition there isn't quite there in the Hebrew. It's actually uh, that there are things from the east, eastern things, and so the translator here has uh, taken the idea of religion here and and inserted the word superstitions here, and I think that's probably right, that the eastern things that are coming in are not just eastern uh, jars and pots and things like that. No, they're importing eastern religions. 
And these are man-made religions. They don't come from God, from the Holy One of Israel who made all things, so they are made by man. And we have the same thing today. We have man-made religions importing all the time themselves into our lives. There are man-made religions all around us. We have uh, false religions such as Islam. We have false religions such as Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Mormonism. All these man-made religions, some are a little more clearly man-made than others. If you read things like about Mormonism and Joseph Smith, uh, you, if you read about his life and what he did and uh, you start to realise, yes, this uh, quite clearly is man-made. Things like um, Scientology, you read a little bit about Hubbard and you start to realise, yes, this is man-made as well. Man loves inventing religions and then importing them to communities such as ourselves, just like with the Jews. The Eastern religions were importing themselves there. And then we go from the East to the West with the Philistines. Verse 6, they are full of superstitions from the East. They practice divination like the Philistines. Divination being where you look into the future so that you can then know whether you should do something or not. You, you practice this uh, art of uh, the Philistines here of trying to predict the future. And this type of man-made religion where you try and find out what's going to happen still exists today. Jill and myself, we went for, um, for lunch into one of the suburbs here in Sydney, Balmain, and, uh, and there was a little sign outside one of the shops uh, pointing on the sidewalk, pointing to a door saying that fortune-telling was offered there for $20 for half an hour and for 35 for a full hour. You could have your fortune told. So divination still occurs today and people trust in it. They don't pay the money because they don't trust in it. They go in because they really want to know what's going to happen in the future so that they can then evaluate what they're going to do with their lives. But it's a man-made religion. And the other thing that's said there is uh, at the end of verse 6 is they clasped hand with pagans. And so pagans there it means all other sort of religions that are around. Uh, the Jews are embracing these man-made religions as they come, whether it be from the East, from the Philistines or from just any other alien that is around. But does he stop there? No, he tells us about other man-made religions that are very prevalent, particularly in our society today. Verse 7 continues... Their land is full of silver and gold. There is no end to their treasures. The man-made religion of money is mentioned there in Isaiah and condemned. There is, they're full of silver and gold and there is no end to their treasures. It just goes on and on. And people are trusting in their wealth to save them. They're trusting in silver, they're trusting in gold, they're trusting in their treasures. And that is today as well. Many people trust in their money for saving them from their problems. If you, and if people who don't have much money still do trust in money to save them from their problems. They just work very hard at trying to get it to save themselves. If I just had this amount of money, I would be safe. The other thing that is condemned there as a man-made religion is horses and chariots. Verse 7, their land is full of horses, there is no end to their chariots. This is basically speaking of military power and the power of, uh, of horses to be able to save you from your problems. And while we don't have horses and chariots today to save us from our problems, we still have a defence force with submarines as chariots and we have the, the ships as the chariots and we have the planes as the chariots and we have the tanks as the chariots 
and the horses that go and save us from our problems. And people can trust in defence forces to save them from their problems rather than trust in God. And then the other thing that is condemned there is in verse 8. Their land is full of idols and these are clearly man-made by the way that Isaiah describes them. Verse 8, their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. Little statues are worshipped as some saving power. And this is still today. It's not like the land has been, uh, the world has removed all the idols from it, that people are not so dumb as to bow down to something that someone has made physically with their hands. No, idols are all around us. You can go to many shops in Sydney and you'll be able to pick up a little Buddha or some little statue that you can then hold on to as something that will save you from your problems. If you are careful with it and look after it, it will save you. But Isaiah condemns all these man-made religions. What is his assessment of them? Well, they are condemned because of the way that he describes what will happen to them. God is not happy with man-made religions and so he has a day in in store for them. And that's my second main point this morning. The day of the Lord will destroy man-made religions. A day is coming and man-made religions will be destroyed. We see it in verse 11. It says, The eyes of the arrogant man will be humbled and the pride of men brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. And then verse 12, The Lord Almighty has a day in store. And then verse 17, The arrogance of man will be brought low and the pride of man humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. The day of the Lord is coming. When is this day? Has it been? Is it in the future? Is it today? Well, the day of the Lord was often a phrase that came up in the prophets and it was one that was partially fulfilled with the Assyrian and Babylonian conquests where the Assyrian uh, Empire came in and uh, hurt the Jews pretty badly and then the Babylonians came as well. But it didn't, that wasn't the full day of the Lord because not all the things that are prophesied here happened. The day of the Lord is still coming. There is a day that God has in store and we know it as Judgment Day when God will destroy all man-made religions and we see it described here in this passage from Isaiah where it talks about what he will do on the day of the Lord. It says in verse 12, The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted and they will be humbled. And then he starts to list them these man-made religions as they're destroyed. Verse 13, For all the cedars of Lebanon, tall and lofty. The cedars of Lebanon were prized, they were good wood, and it was uh, an investment to have cedar in your house and, uh, and you could use cedar to build up your fortresses and protect you. And so people would trust in the cedars of Lebanon for wealth and prosperity and for defence. But God says they will be destroyed. And all the oaks of Bashan, the oaks of Bashan were oak trees that were big and and mighty looking and people used to worship them. But what does God say about those? They will be destroyed. For all the towering mountains and all the high hills, they will be destroyed. People who worship mountains, 
Those mountains will be decimated. Those people who put themselves up on a high hill to protect themselves for defence reasons, as many of the cities in the, in the past did, they will be destroyed. You won't be safe just because you're up on a hill. You won't be safe just because you're up on a mountain. And then he continues, for every lofty tower and every fortified wall, every defence place that you have made to protect you, it won't protect you from God and his dread, his, his wrath that is coming. It can't protect you. And so whatever we invent today, we may not have fortified walls or lofty towers, but people invent things to protect themselves, like panic rooms, where you go in and you've got to punch a code in to get in or out. And, uh, and there's a great Jodie Foster movie about a panic room and, and the, the thieves that break into the house can't get into her. Panic rooms... They're not going to save you on the day of the Lord. They are just modern versions of fortified walls. You cannot trust in a panic room to save you. And he continues, for every lofty tower and every fortified wall, for every trading ship and every stately vessel, people trust in trade to save them. If I have enough connections with other people, I will be safe. If I have family or friends that are going to trade with me and give me the food that I need, the clothes that I need, uh, the, the houses that I need, I will be safe. If I trust in man, I will be okay. I don't trust in God because he's kind of out there, don't really know what he wants and how to, how to behave with him and I can't see him actually coming and giving me something directly. Man is where it's at. So if I trade, if I have ships, I have cars, I have trains, I have planes, I will be safe. If I have the internet so that people can trade with me there. Every trading ship, God says, including the internet, will be destroyed. You cannot trust in your connections, even with the World Wide Web, to save you. You may have lots of friends on Facebook, but those friends will be destroyed along with you if you trust in them. Every trading ship and every stately vessel Word there, stately vessel, can mean these ships that are sort of works of art, these marvellous pieces of artwork that uh, people take pleasure in and, and, and think of as something they can trust in. And we do the same today. Works of art aren't necessarily things that we go and see at the art gallery anymore. Uh, it seems that art galleries are for those people who are the, the elite of society, the ones with their noses a little upturned. But no, artwork is something that we can all go along and appreciate and artwork is something that we appreciate every day on our television sets. Marvellous works of art are shown to us, people that have made things to give us pleasure, films that we derive so much enjoyment from and we trust if we watch this TV show later tonight, I will be happy. I will be a content person because of this marvellous piece of artwork that someone has made and is being beamed through uh, the television airwaves to us tonight. I will be happy. I trust in my television set to bring me happiness, to bring me contentment but they will be destroyed along with every stately vessel. And all the idols that man has made will totally disappear. Verse 18. And the idols will totally disappear. So all those things that we trust in, plus the idols, all destroyed on the day of the Lord. And what does that do to man then? If man-made religions are destroyed, what, does that happen, what happens to him? 
Well, of course, he is brought low. If the things that he has made are brought low, well then he's trusting in those things and so he is brought low as well. And we're reminded of this again and again in the passage. Verse 9, so man will be brought low and mankind humbled. Verse 11, the eyes of the arrogant man will be humbled and the pride of man brought low. And then verse 17, again, the arrogance of man will be brought low and the pride of man humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. And so as man comes down, he goes underground even. What does it say there in the passage about where man ends up? Verse 10, go into the rocks, hide in the ground. Everything around you has been decimated. What's left? Oh, we better go underground. There's nothing left to protect us, so let's go underground. Go into the rocks, verse 10. Hide in the ground from the dread of the Lord and the splendour of his majesty. And then verse 19, same thing. Men will flee to caves in the rocks and to holes in the ground. And then verse uh, 21. They will flee to caverns in the rocks and to the overhanging crags. They are brought so low that they have to go under the earth to try and hide from God and his destruction that he is wreaking upon the earth. So what is the result of this? As man is brought down and man-raised religions are brought down, what is the result? What is left? Well, the result is that God alone is left. What does it say in verse 11? The eyes of the arrogant man will be humbled and the pride of man brought low and then... The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. He's the only one left standing. He is exalted. And he says that in in verse 12 as well. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, uh, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. They are brought down, and he is exalted. Verse 17. The arrogance of man will be brought low, and the pride of man humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. God alone is left and the splendour of his majesty is the only thing that is left around. All man-made religions are destroyed and man himself has burrowed down into the rock to try and escape. So what are we to do? This day of the Lord is coming where everything will be destroyed, including man himself where he will have to hide and try and get away from God. What are we to do? How do we flee from this destruction? Well, God-made religion is the answer. And that's obvious. If the only thing left standing is God, then we have to go after him. We have to flee to him for protection. Not to man-made things, but to God-made things. God-made religion is where we need to go. And that's my third main point about God-made religion. Follow God-made religion and not man-made religion. And how do you do that? Well, you do yourself what is described in this passage before God does it for you. What is God going to do on the last day? He's going to bring everything low. And you need to do that in your own life first before God forces you to bring down everything around you. And how do you do that? Well, you repent of following man-made religions. You acknowledge that God is the one who should be exalted. He is the one who should be above everything else. He is the one who alone should be worshipped. Nothing else should be worshipped. And so that is what repentance is. It's an admittance that you have been wrong in the past and worshipped things that you should not have 
in the place of God and you say sorry to God for doing that. And then part of repentance is a destruction of man-made religion in your own life. A repentance isn't a sorry but then I'll keep on doing what I've been doing wrong and keep saying sorry. No, it's a turning away from what you did previously. And so you need to get stuck into your life and turf out all the man-made religion that is there hanging around before God does it for you. He's going to do it. You may as well get to the point before he does so that when he comes, you are seen to be one who exalted him before he came and are given eternal life as a result. Shake your life up before it is shaken for you. That's what God says he will do. He will come and shake the earth. When he rises to shake the earth, uh, verse 21, the splendour of his majesty at the end there, when he rises to shake the earth will be shown. He's coming to shake the earth. Shake it before he does. Acknowledge him as the only God and turf out all those man-made religions that you trust in. And then what? You've repented of those man-made religions that you've been following? Then what? What are you to trust in instead? Are you meant to trust in anything? What are we meant to do after we've repented? Well, I think we get a clue from the passage. What happens to men at the end after everything is destroyed? Where do they go? They go down into the rocks, hide in the ground. And we are to do the same thing, I think. I think there's a nice parallel that goes on here in the passage. We're meant to flee into the rock as well. What does that mean? Does that mean we all move to Cuba Pedi, is it, where they, live under, there's, uh, they used to live underground because it's so hot in Australia in that town where they mine opals and you can actually go there and you can see these underground churches and underground um, houses that people live in uh, because it's so hot. Is that what we're meant to do? We're meant to hide in holes in the ground? No, what I mean is we're meant to go into the only rock that can protect us and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is described as the rock, as the one in which we can trust and be protected from the dread of the Lord as his wrath comes towards us. We need to hide in the ground, but not in the ground here. We need to hide ourselves in Christ. We are supposed to trust in something. Everything requires a bit of faith. And it's not faith in man-made religions, it's faith in Christ that saves us. Faith in God, in God-made religion. God-made religion is to follow Jesus Christ. He sent his son into the world to be the rock that we could cling to, that we could burrow ourselves down into so we are protected when the day of the Lord comes. Have you repented of your man-made religions and turfed them out of your life, shaken your life up and destroyed them before God destroys them for you? Have you trusted in Jesus as the rock that you will be protected from, uh, that you will be protected in the day of judgment? Have you repented and believed? If you haven't, do it now. Don't wait any longer. The day of the Lord is coming. I don't know when it will come. It could be next minute. The day of the Lord is here and everything is destroyed except for those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't delay. Do it now. Repent and believe today. The day of the Lord is coming. 
And if you have repented and believed, are you someone who regularly repents and believes? Because once we become a Christian, we still do wrong things, we still sin, we still follow off after man-made religions from time to time. Every time we sin, we are choosing that over God. And so there is an ongoing commitment to repentance, to a destruction of man-made religions in our lives, to a, a destruction of the trust that we have in money or people around us to protect us and save us. Do you regularly repent of your sins before God and ask for his forgiveness? Do you regularly put your faith in Jesus Christ and praise him as a rock that will protect you on the day of judgement? It's also a good idea to every so often shake up your life. We're meant to do an ongoing day-to-day repentance and trust in Jesus but sometimes we take it time to actually reflect over our life and to shake it up a bit and see what we're doing with our money, see what we're doing with our time, what we're trusting in, what brings us most joy in life. Is it the television set and the refrigerator or is it Christ? Is that where we get the most joy? When we're sad and needing help, who do we turn to first? Yes, God does give us a refrigerator and he does give us a television set for us to enjoy and he gives us friends and family members so that we can talk to and be helped by them. But we should see them and recognise them as gifts from God to us. They are not above God. They are below God and they come from God and so we should turn to him first. Do it this afternoon. Take a stock of your life and see what are the priorities in your life. Are people and objects the priorities in your life? Or is God the object of your life? Is Christ the rock upon which you rest alone? Or are there other things that you have your feet upon as well? Other things that you are trusting in? Listen to Isaiah's word here. The day of the Lord is coming. And on that day, the only thing you want to be hidden in is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only thing that can protect you. Man cannot. The words of verse 22 are a good conclusion for this morning. What does it say in verse 22? Stop trusting in man. That means yourself and those around you and the religions that they are made. Stop trusting in man. Who has but a breath in his nostrils? Of what account is he? Trust in God. Let us speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we admit that we so often follow off after man-made religions. We love to trust in man and what he has made to bring us pleasure, to bring us security and safety. Lord, help us to repent of doing that. May we be sorry for putting things above you and may we make an attempt and a real effort to put those things behind us and may you help us to do so and may we cling to the rock that is the Lord Jesus Christ alone may we not trust in ourselves may we not trust in others around us may we not trust in the things that they have made but may we trust in you alone may you alone be exalted on that day that is coming And Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who has never repented of their sins, 
who has never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Shake them up today. Do not leave it for judgment day where they will be condemned for an eternity in hell. Shake them now so that they put their trust in you and exalt you alone. May they not be content with anything in their lives but you alone. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.